Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 202 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony. And we are excited to close out 2023 with you on this episode. Yep. We hope but we're going to be back in 2024. So, <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not leaving. Uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, Christmas uh, this past week. Um, we're obviously recording this before Christmas, so that feels weird to say. But <laughs> that's feel weird. We hope that you enjoyed Christmas with your family, friends, um, and that you were looking forward to celebrating the new year responsibly, um, or you know, whatever floats your boat, I guess. Uh, but we're here. We're going to record some uh, another episode tonight. Uh, maybe the next to last episode of the study, potentially. Maybe uh, I, I feel like we'd be given given Revelation a real short stick if we tried to do it all in one episode. But this is true, so maybe not. Um, but anyway, we're gonna do what we always do. We're gonna drink some beer. We're gonna talk about the Bible. Um, Anthony, we just recorded it the other day. So how's your last couple of days been? <laughs> we're having to re- we're having to re- record a couple a uh, couple in one week because uh, uh, scheduling stuff for next week is getting in the way. So. Um, Anthony's going out of town again. It's all yeah. my fault. <laughs> Anthony's always he's always on the go. Um, but that has been on the go. I, I was, was on the say, go today. How's your last couple of days been? <laughs> so I put, let's see, when I got home today, I had 492 miles on my truck. So I filled up in fuel this morning, or actually it was last night before I got home. And I have a quarter of a tank. <laughs> A few left. And I went to three of our locations uh, where I work because we are, um, I had to go deploy new cell phones. Uh, we're switching cellular carriers and things like that. And so I had to go distribute out and make switches. And I couldn't just um, turn them on and ship them to them because if I turned them on, it would cut the other people's phones off and that would be bad, not having a phone for a couple of days. So that's what I did. And my day started really, really early this morning, and now it's late, and so I'm going to attempt to not fall asleep while we record tonight, and uh, might let you talk a good bit. That would well, I don't know that last. I was about to say, you not falling asleep would be ideal. Me talking a bit, <laughs> not so much, not so sure about. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today. That's why I texted you earlier in the day. I was like, "Are you? Are we still good?" Are we still good to record? Are you still I, alive? Because I base I knew that your your uh, your day was was just a lot of your like you didn't have a lot of hard work to do. It like it's just like a lot of try a lot of driving, a lot, a lot of, of show time. Yeah. Yes, I've had days yes. like that. Monday this past week was like that. I had a lot of not um hard things to do, just 
in the truck driving from mm-hmm. place to place. So, yep. And that's it. I mean, just driving wears you out too. It can. Like, I got out and I was just like, I am so tired. And all I did was sit here and like barely move my feet. <laughs> uh, anywho, anywho, how's, how's your week? Well, I say, how's your week? How's the last two days been for you? <laughs> I mean, they've been fine. Uh, you know, still getting work done. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on last week's episode, but my everyone else in the company was out of town on a project this week. Yeah. Um, they came back today. They they uh the guy they they flew back in this afternoon. So um we'll have everyone back in, in town next week for, for everything we got going on. But it was good, just you know just busy and being the only guy here was kind of like a I don't know, a uh I don't even know how to it's like I didn't have a lot of direction. Mm-hmm. I had to figure things out on my own <laughs> because everyone else was eyeballs deep in a pretty massive project they had to get done because of yeah. lift rentals and travel and all that stuff. So yep. I felt like I didn't want to bother them asking them questions they may or may not have had the answers to. But um that's neither here nor there. We're we're you know, but we're here. We're good. We're ready to roll. Um and we're gonna talk about the Bible here in a little bit. But first we're gonna Review review some beers, um, and I think we both have some interesting stuff going on. So, Anthony, why don't you uh, tell us what you're drinking tonight? Sure. So, I picked up a 12-pack sampler of, they called it Christmas beers, from Clown Shoes Brewing. Um, And it's literally one of each, 12 different beers. And, you know, I probably should have not done this, but I did it against my own, uh, better judgment. Once I opened it up and I dug them out, I realized that like half of them were IPAs and I'm like, I'm probably not going to drink half of these. You I know may what? attempt them just cause I bought them, but I think IPAs have a place and that place is in Chile. Maybe I'll make Chile and put IPAs in it. Then. I mean, just, I, I would try a little, just, I wouldn't put like a whole can of one unless you made a giant pot. <laughs> Because <laughs> if it's disgusting, you may it may ruin it, and I I wouldn't True. want. I feel like I made chili with an IPA. I mean, it's been a couple of years, and it wasn't terrible. But I could well, be maybe wrong. that's what I'll use these for. We'll find out. I couldn't. I could be wrong. So, so I mean, it's not going to be this week because you're on vacation. So no, um, not going to be this week. But tonight I have the coconut sombrero. And it is a Mexican-style stout. First time I've ever had a Mexican-style stout with coconut and vanilla flavors. It comes in Did you say seven. who the brewery was? Yeah, Clown Shoes. I thought I said that. I don't think you if said I that. If I did, but... it's Clown Shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this is a Mexican-style chocolate stout coming in at 7% ABV. Uh, and it says, the nice part about the luchador wardrobe is the versatility. Comfort, breathable, devastating, in the ring and ruthlessly efficient when the occasion calls for beach volleyball. I'm not real sure how any of that sentence fits together. <laughs> but that's be how honest, they I zoned it. out for a second while you were talking. <laughs> I mean, I felt like reading that sentence was like, and the purple aliens went down to the green sombrero and ate chili with. The- <laughs> that's what I, I mean. I zoned out for a second. 
Not because well, I was uninterested, but because I uh, lost track of what you were saying. <laughs> For, to be fair, I think I lost track of what I was saying. <laughs> so I don't know what to expect from this beer. And I'm in just enough uh, good mood to to possibly give it five Luthers just because. <laughs> well, hey. There's no, no shame in that game. So you never know. So that's what I've got. Coconut Sombrero, what do you have tonight? So tonight, I also have a coconut something um, from Duclaw Brewing Company in Baltimore, Maryland. I have a one from their patriarchy line. I have the Super Freak Coconut Caramel Chocolate Brown Ale. Um, it's got a picture of a cookie on it, and I'm hoping it mm-hmm. this tastes a little bit like a Samoa. Ooh, or German chocolate cake, or no, it's a cookie. Like it's got a cookie. Yeah, no, it. it does um, look like a Samoa. Yeah, so I'm ho- I'm hoping Samoa, because uh, that's like my favorite Girl Scout cookie. Um, in mints, mm, they're both good. Um, so Ken says uh, that this isn't listed on their website at all. So that is a little <laughs> cause of concern because I don't know how old this thing is. Um, but uh, the can says, give in to the seductive coconut caramel and chocolate notes plus roasted malt and a gentle hot bite, hop bite. Indulge and get freaky is what it says on the can here. So um, Duclaw typically does pretty well here on the mm-hmm. podcast, and we're going to find out how this goes. So super freaky. Sweet. Let's She's crack a Super open. freaky. She's super freaky. Thanks, Ricky Skaggs. If you've never listened to that version, you're welcome. Here we go. Three, two. One, go. Mm. I'm not sure what the difference between a regular stout and a Mexican stout is. It smells about the same. So this is a brown ale. I don't know if I said that. Um, but it's got some. It's got some dark notes to it in the smell, like almost coffee dark. Nothing, nothing beneficial there. Did you Google failed me on that? I was trying to figure out what the difference between a Mexican stout and a regular, just a regular old stout was, but mm. um, a Mexican stout is made in Mexico. (laughs) That's all I got. That's all you got. Okay. This thing smells pretty good. Not gonna lie. Yeah, mine smells good too. Well, they smell good. Let's see if they taste good. I'm down. Let's go. Cheers. What's the I difference? think I can nail mine down. So this is a lot. I mean, this is basically like a um um just a regular old survey Mexican beer. Um, mm-hmm. but it's got the the rich flavor of a stout, so it's not heavy. It's pretty it's I mean, I would say this is like a Mexican stout is basically a porter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the same okay. feel texture as a porter. Okay. Um, the flavor of this one is actually really good. Um, like surprisingly good. And and they didn't mention it, but it's got hints of like coffee flavor in there too. So I don't know if they put coffee in there. It just says chocolate stout with coconut and vanilla. Um, coconut flavor and vanilla. Maybe it's just all that mixed together gives it a coffee. Like it's almost like a like a black coffee mm-hmm. with sugar in it, which is my favorite. This is pretty good. I don't know if it's five Luther's good, but 
the flavor is there. The tasting, the taste is there. What they said it should taste like is there. Um, I was kind of expecting something a little thicker just because it mm-hmm. was a stout. Um, so maybe, I don't know. I would give it, I'm going to give it four Luthers. Okay. Yeah, I'll give it four Luthers because it's good. It's a pretty good flavor. Um, yeah, four Luthers. That's where I'm going to go. Not a whole lot to say, but I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's just got the regular, the chocolate flavors there. I mean, everything's there like you want it to be. It's not really a whole lot to add to it. Mm-hmm. Just good. Good. So how's the pastryarchy? Um, so the initial flavor is really, really nice. Mm-hmm. But the description talks about the hot bite being gentle. And I feel like I can't get rid of it. Oh, okay. Like it's lingering with me. Like a porter or a stout does. Oh, yeah. And so, um, and this is really, really, it's really rich. It's really, it's almost thick. Um, and I'm not, the, I don't, I'm personally not experiencing like a really good balance of the flavors. Yeah. Um, to me, something is just really overpowering it, and I can't pin down what it is. Like, it's, I don't know if it's the hoppiness or, um, like it says, it's got roast, like the roasted malt. Um, like, I don't, I don't know. I was expecting something a lot sweeter than what I'm drinking. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little disappointed in that. It's not terrible, but um, I'm not really having a good time on this one. Um, yeah, I think I'll. I think I'm. I think I'm going to have to go down to like three, like three Luthers on this. Oh man, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Just uh, just not having a good. Not not a good, not a great experience there. Yeah. Um, I'm just missing out. Like, I want more coconut. I want more caramel. I want more chocolate. And I'm not. I don't feel like I'm getting any of that. Yeah. So if hey, I strip, on, man. <laughs> if I strip all, if I strip all of that back, it's just like a really dark ale with no extra flavor. Hmm. So, but I'll give it three Luthers just. You know, just, New Year's just for fun, New Year's uh, <laughs> cheer or whatever. You know, is I I think I've kind of like I, I've tried a few different brown ales, and I think brown ales for me are like I don't know. There's something weird about brown ales, yeah. In general, I, I'm not I'm not sure what it is, but it doesn't it doesn't bring me joy. Yeah. Now that that sip right there, it almost like because we were talking about before, it may be like ho- hopefully tasting like a Samoa. That one almost tasted like a little bit of a Samoa. Like hmm. that one that like that last sip almost tasted like you just opened the Samoa you need to bag. Stir it up a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't say gently agitate the can like a couple of the other ones I've said in the last few weeks. Dude, the peach crumble treat, man. Mm-hmm. That thing was good. I'm still I'm still on five Luthers. 
I have one left. My wife drank one of mine. I was, I mean, good for her, but I'm a little my bad. wife, my wife, uh, is, is enjoying the tiny S's. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. So yeah, just three Luthers on that. I mean, it's, okay. it's fine. It, it, maybe it's missing something. Maybe it's just old. I don't know. It, I, I can't, <laughs> there's no indication. Can't look it up. Can't look it up. No indication of when it was canned, any of that. So I'll give it three Luthers and hope that maybe it's just a bad can. But yeah. well, so, but there you go. Well, there you go. Nice. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> Buy me a Coke. <laughs> to get rid of this beer flavor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We are going to cover the entire book of Jude tonight, and we're going to go ahead and set up Revelation uh, to kind of get ready for the text of Revelation, which we're going to pick up uh, first weekend 2024. Um, so stick around, and we will be right Welcome back to this week's episode of the Beers and Bible Podcast. We are going to, as Anthony said right before the break, um, get through the entire book of Jude tonight. We're going to start uh, setting up Revelation as well in in preparation for getting through the um, the content of Revelation uh, here in a couple of weeks. So uh, let's get into it. So some orienting data for the book of Jude. Um, this is a pastoral letter of exhortation, um, and it is another warning against false teachers who have secretly slipped in among the readers. Um, yeah. Jude is uh, calling Jude calls himself the brother of James, which also makes Jude the brother of Jesus. Um, but he doesn't, according to verse seventeen, doesn't count himself as an apostle. Um, yeah. <clears throat> The uh, date is unknown, but it's believed to be after 70 AD. Um, and there's some reason for that. We can, we'll get into that here in a little bit, I'm sure. Um, the original recipients aren't known, aren't listed um, in the letter. It's not like Jude says, I'm writing to so and so. Um, but it's probably a congregation of predominantly Jewish Christians. Mm -hmm. who were well acquainted with the Old Testament. So um, they were very familiar with um, Old Testament law, very familiar with um, the Jewish apocalyptic literature. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, that's where a lot of what Jude is writing about is um, he, he's using that as a re as like kind of a reference point for them. Yep. Um, there's going to be... Um, Hang on, let's see here. There's some itinerants who have turned grace into license, um, and that is really the reason for the letter, um, and that is known as the heresy of antinomianism. Um, right? Right. Yes. No. Yeah, right. Okay. Heresy. Antinomianism. Yep. Anti-law. Um, Anti-law. So um, they've turned this idea of grace into license, um, and that's why Jude is writing the letter. And um, some emphasis here just to be 
looking out for. Um, there is judgment on those who choose to live carelessly and that teach other people to also live carelessly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not just them themselves living carelessly, but when they teach others to do so as well. Um, and then on the flip side of that, another emphasis is how important holy living is um, and and what that looks like and why it's important. Um, and then the final emphasis that Jude's going to talk about um, is going to be God's love for and the preservation of his faithful ones. So um, God loves God loves his creation, but yeah. the, those who are faithful to him, God will protect and preserve and, and help along the way. So um, there's the orienting data trying to kind of get us set up now we're going to get into just a couple of quick bullet points for advice this is a short book so there's not a lot of um we're not beating around the bush at all here um so uh some advice for jude um again another book that focuses on false teachers um and that seems to have come up as we've gotten later in the new testament more and more is that the focal point is hey these false teachers are trying to get in don't let them um make sure that Make sure that y'all keep teaching and believing the true gospel of Jesus and what these false teachers are saying. Um, don't don't buy into it. Don't let them have any. Um, don't let, don't give them uh, a platform. Don't don't give them the opportunity to try to lead your brothers and sisters astray. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, these teachers were prom- promoting some form of lib. Libertin, li, libertinism, <laughs> libertinism. Le, liber, I see the red squiggly line. I'm like, that's not a word. Uh, libertinism by trading license for immortal, immorality, immortality. Mm-hmm. That's would be totally wrong. Um, so, and then we're gonna the the fight. So the false teachers are saying to trade license for immorality. Um, yeah. And then the final piece of advice here that we're going to, we're going to, as we're walking through and as you read it on your own to be remembering, um, is that God's judgment on these false teachers, um, like take notice of God's judgment, but Mm -hmm. also take notice of the seriousness that Jude puts on that judgment. And so it's not just that God is going to judge the false teachers, but Jude is taking that very seriously, and he doesn't want those who are not following the false teachers to start following them because they will also be subject mm-hmm. to that judgment. Um, and Jude is um, very concerned with those in this congregation that they don't fall into that. Um, mm-hmm. They don't fall into that teaching or whatever. So um, – Anthony, if you don't have anything to add for those first two sections, why don't you walk us through Jude? Sure thing. So, yeah. So, uh, Jude is a short book. It's another uh, one-chapter book. Um, And he's going to basically lay the whole thing out pretty quick. Um, So, let's just walk through this here. He starts us off the first couple of verses. He greets everybody. Um, He introduces himself as the brother of James and a servant of Jesus Christ. Um, 
this is a really interesting point right here when he does this because I mean he has the I guess you could say the clout or the uh the bona fides to say, yeah, I'm Jesus' brother, you know, the guy mm-hmm. that rose from the dead, I'm him, you know. Um, and he doesn't, you know, he chooses to who to kind of back off in humility because what you see in Jude is you you see him pointing to the gospel as everything, you know, every part of life. And so he doesn't yeah. want something, some other distraction getting in the way. Um, and so, you know, cause he's going to talk about uh, the gospel that is once for all delivered to the saints. He's going to bring that up in verse three, um, which is the next thing. So that's really the cause of the letter. Um, Jude urges his readers to contend earnestly um, for this gospel that was once for all delivered to the saints. And he's going to warn against infiltration of ungodly individuals. These false teachers that you talked about, they're working their way in. They're they're coming in. And these uh, apparently were a little bit more sly. Um, and and re- I mean, really, and truly, that's kind of the false teachers that you really have to look out for. It's the people that that say almost the right thing or they say, you know, enough nuggets of truth to where you're like, OK, but... Mm-hmm. hang on a second you know and and it really and so you know it's really being on guard for um the truth and the purity of the gospel uh is what jude is contending for here and so he's going to warn against that infiltration but um understand that this is not necessarily like a theological debate this is not calvinism versus arminianism that we're talking about here um this is people who are luring people to live in ungodly ways and they're doing it by twisting and manipulating scripture and saying that you don't have to do this, you don't have to live this way, come live like we do. And that's where you're talking about libertinism. It's this idea that that um, I, I have free liberty to do anything and everything I want whenever I want to do it, you mm-hmm. know, and 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 it's with no consequences, no repercussions. Like that's the that's the mindset of a libertine um, is they have they want to have full libertarian autonomy. Um, at all times without any type of um, something coming back or keeping them in check. There's, you know, there's no checks and balances in that. And so that sounds a lot like I I could be totally off on this and forgive me if I am, but I don't know if I am. That sounds a lot like the serpent in the garden talking to Eve. Like, hey, did God actually say? Like, it's a lot of, it sounds a lot like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it, I mean, that that mentality though plays right into the fleshly nature that we're born with. You know, mm-hmm. when when we talk about being born in original sin, that's what we're talking about. It's you. It's not that you're born with, you know, machine guns in your hand. You're like, I'm going to kill everybody. It's, you know, that's like we just think when we think sinners, we think murderers and rapists and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But and, and yes, those I mean, those people are sinners and those are sins and, and you know, everything bad is that. But, man, you know, being greedy is just as much a sin. Being yeah. lustful is just as much a sin. You know, there there's there's there are I mean, the way that we think of it, there are levels of sin and and each sin. You know, we can talk about mortal sins. You know, when you talk about Roman Catholic theology, mortal sins and venial sins and 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 we you know we do try to prioritize and and things and you don't you know you definitely don't want to say you don't want to say you can do this sin but not that sin um you know it's not like that but it's a, a you know if you're working through sin in your life 
it, you just can't, you kind of start with the big ones. Let, let, let's get the big and then let, right. let's work it down to the little ones. Yeah. So. But also don't hear, don't hear Anthony saying that. I don't, I don't think this is what he's saying and don't hear him saying that like, Oh, well, if I'm not a murderer, I'm okay. If, exactly. If I'm a liar or a steal yes. or a thief or whatever, like, because, because God doesn't see sin in tears like that. Yes, exactly. God, God's like, God sees the little white lie your kid tells you through the same lens as the uh, the worst murderer yeah. you could ever think of. Yeah. Like, like to God, those sins are identical. Yeah. Romans 6.23 does not say for the wages of mortal sin is death mm-hmm. and venial sin is purgatory. It doesn't right. say that. It says for the wages of sin. Right. Period. End of story. Any sin. All yeah. sin. And and death. <laughs> and you were talking about like us being born with our sin nature, like coming back to like thinking about kids. You don't have to teach kids how to lie. No, <laughs> they 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 pick up on that pretty quick. Like the first time yep. my, my we have a five year old, the first time he lied to us, I was like, I'm not sure where he got that. Like I I know where he got it, but I, I'm like <laughs> I'm not sure how he figured it out. But I mean that's I mean it, but it's proof that yeah we are born with a sin nature. And I mean that's the consequence again of of our you know Adam and Eve in the garden and yep. um that's why we need Jesus. So true that. Sorry. So you you, um, you mentioned earlier that you were going to try not to fall asleep and I'm trying to talk more <laughs> throughout so you don't have so long, you don't fall asleep. <laughs> no, so that you don't have long things where like at the end you're like, okay, now it's nap time. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> Keep me going. Um, so that gets us through verse four. Then we move into verses five through seven. Uh, and we're going to get three examples. We're going to get some uh, warning examples. And, and Jude is going to give historical examples. He's going to draw from the Old Testament, specifically the Israelites' rebellion. Uh, in the wilderness, he's he's going to talk about the angels um, who left their, their proper domain and emphasize the consequences of uh, disobedience. Uh, and rebellion to God. So he's going to give these examples for people of saying, this is what happens when you do this. When you mm-hmm. walk into this lifestyle, this is what happens. Yep. And so he's basically putting, he's he's putting meat on the bone. He's putting rubber on the road. I mean, he he's giving you examples of why you should not be doing what he just told you not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, all of these examples here serve as a warning for people who reject the divine authority, obviously the, the authority of God over all of creation um, is, is the main kind of purview here. Um, so that's five through seven and then eight through 10, he's going to turn to specifically to the false teachers. He's going to turn to his condemnation of the false teachers. Um, and he's going to describe these teachers who defile the flesh. They reject authority. They speak evil. Um, Specifically, they're speaking evil about um, celestial being. We're talking about angels and things like that. Um, and he's going to contrast these people with the archangel Michael, who's kind of like the warrior angel for God. And he's going to highlight because Michael is the one who brings in judgment so many times. Gabriel oftentimes brings in, you know, announcement of good news. See the Christmas story. See, you know, uh, Gabriel to Gabriel to Mary. Um, Michael is the archangel who, when he shows up, you you sh- you should probably be afraid. 
<laughs> because judgment is soon to follow when Michael shows up. Um, and so, and this is where we were talking about earlier, where the severity of judgment on these people. And and there's there's a couple of things that I think we need to point out here is Jude does a pretty good job of saying that, you know, the judgment is going to come from God. It doesn't have to be you enacting the judgment. You're not the judge, jury, and executioner. Mm-hmm. You are the person who's supposed to be calling those people back to the gospel. Yeah. Um, but but notice where the judgment is grounded, uh, and that is in the justice of God. And it is God who is enacting his judgment according to his justice. Um, and so when we when we feel like we need to be the ones who are puffing up chests and saying, I'm going to bring you to justice and I'm going to bring God's judgment on you, that's never in Scripture. It's never a human being calling down the judgment of God unless you're talking about an Old Testament prophet where God said, hey, I want you to call down my judgment. Right. You know, that's about that's the only time that that happens. And, yeah, but and even it, even then, that's still God. It's still God calling <laughs> down the judgment just because he's telling a prophet to do it. And the prophet doesn't. Yeah. And the prophet does it doesn't mean it's that prophet doing it on his own volition. That's right. He's that's right. Staying true to God. So that gets us through verse 10, and then verses 11 through 16, we get some more warnings. Um, and this is an interesting part because I, I've heard this question before, and it, it's if you have sources outside of the Bible that are quoted in the Bible, doesn't that make those sources the same authority as the Bible? And my answer to that is no, it does not. Um because they're not a part of Scripture. They're not in the canon of Scripture. Um, But here, Jude, he's in his denouncing of false teachers. He's going to draw parallels, and he's going to use Jewish sources, specifically First Enoch, um, to make his point. And when we talk about extra-biblical sources, I think it's important to say that you know, you can read the Apocrypha, you can read the Maccabees, you can read, you know, any of those other extra-biblical sources— and and you can learn things from those sources. You can learn truths from those sources, um, but that does not mean that those sources have the authority that the scripture has. Right. And the, I guess the the parallel that I'll give here is you can read a commentary on the book of Jude, and it's going to bring insights that are truthful about what the book of Jude is teaching you. But that does not mean that that commentary is the same thing as the book of Jude. And so understand the difference in there and and know that that just because a biblical writer brings something in does not mean that that carries the same authority as the actual scripture itself. Right. So um but uh he he after he gives those examples, he's gonna characterize the individuals uh that he's talking about, these these false prophets. Um, as rebellious, greedy, devoid of the spirit, um, and and basically all around bad folks. So stay away from them. Um, then we get to verses 17 through 19, where we have the apostolic warning. And Jude is going to direct the readers here, uh, and he's going to remind them of the apostles' predictions about the appearance of mockers in the last time. And so Jude is basically saying, um, you know, I, we knew this was coming, so get ready for it mm-hmm. because it's here. You know this is this is what it is, and so um, we have we have that coming. Jude basically reminding us that that's where that's coming from, 
And then uh, verse 20, he's going to shift a little bit right here, and he's going to move away from this like warning and apostolic um, kind of like judgment thing that he's been on for a while. And he's going to call people to, to help others. Okay. Um, it's more, it really shifts into like a practical application at this point. And, um, it's this, I mean, just like it was for the believers who read this, this is really for all believers. Um, and so this section here is going to emphasize the importance of, like being that lifeline, being that rescue for others, being there um, to say, "Hey, man, that's a that's a bad influence." You let's let's talk about that in scripture, and there's a way to do that biblically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where you if you see your brother going wrong, it's it's your duty as a Christian believer to say, "Hey, man, um, I see this. This is the way I see that. Here's what I see in scripture teaching us, and I don't think that." what you're doing is lining up with scripture and your brother, sister in Christ could go, you know what? Thank you so much. I see what you're talking about. Or they Mm -hmm. could go, man, I hear you. And I think you misunderstood what I was doing. And here's, here's my intentions. Um, And you you have a whole lot of conversation that can happen in that situation. But the ultimate goal of all of those conversations, again, for any type of discipline is for restoration. That's what the gospel calls us to. It calls us to restoration in every facet of our lives. And so a call to persevere and a call to help others is exactly that. It's a call to restoration, which is what Jude is emphasizing here. He's emphasizing this point of pulling people back from false teachers and restoring them back to the true gospel. So um, he's going he's gonna to hit that right before he closes out uh, his benediction, and he's going to conclude with a doxology. Like a lot of the other writers have, he's going to praise God for his ability to keep believers from stumbling, uh, and he's and going to present them uh, blameless before uh, before judgment. You know, when, once we get to judgment, then then it's going to be Christ is the one who has kept us. Christ is the one who has restored us, uh, and Jude puts all of that at the at the feet of Christ there mm-hmm. to close it out. So. Um, that's the book of Jude in a nutshell. Uh, you have anything you want to add to that? I don't think so. Okay. So we're going to keep moving and we're going to roll into revelation. We're going to, we're going to dive into what revelation is. Um, and so let's get some orienting data for the book of the revelation. Can we call it revelations just for fun? No, I was actually (laughs) going to bring that up here in a second. So, um, so the book of the Revelation, it's a single revelation. Um, the vision is in it is a vision of John. Um, and it focuses on the tribulation and salvation for God's people. And it also focuses on God's wrath for the world. Um, at this time, it would that would be the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, this is written by John. Um Identified as an apostle, the son of Zebedee, um, on the island of Patmos. Um, that's mm-hmm. where he wrote this. Wrote it around 95 AD. And um, this is written to churches in the Roman Empire, primarily in the province of Asia, who have shown some weaknesses um, internally. So um, that's who John is writing to here. Um 
and the those churches are listed in chapters two and three of Revelation. So, um, like it's it's pretty clear, and it's maybe like that may be the latest in any book that we get. Like, who's getting the book? Like, who's yeah. supposed to be? Like, it's usually at the very beginning, and then Revelation's like, nah, uh, reverse card in Uno. I'm gonna do it later. So. <laughs> Um, so John's vision is a prophetic word to the tribulation that the church was already beginning to experience. Um, and he writes to encourage them, which if you've ever tried to read, like I've tried to read Revelation before, and I don't think I've ever made it all the way through. Um, <laughs> it's tough. It's it's rough. And <clears throat> the fact that the whole point is John is trying to encourage them blows yeah. my mind a little bit because it's like, are, are you sure? Because... This is hard to read, and I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> so keep that in mind as we go through it in the next couple of weeks. Um, so, and then there's going to be main, uh, mainly five emphasis here. Let me make sure I don't have anything else to say on the occasion before I move on to that. Uh, no. Okay. So, um, so the main emphasis here is that God is in absolute control of history, um, always has been, Always is, always will be mm-hmm. in absolute control. Um, nothing that has ever happened is taking God by surprise. Nothing that's ever happened um, has happened outside of the will of God. It's hard to say, but if something happens, it's because God let it happen. Yeah. So he is in absolute yep. control of history. Um, yes. God's people are destined for suffering. That's another one of the emphases here. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are a child of God, expect to suffer. Um, yep. The suffering. Like we've talked about that a couple of times. A couple of different times. <laughs> but, um, and it's not that, you know, it's not a doom and gloom thing. It's just that life is hard and life, you know, things come at you at, at all different angles. Um, and it's not, you know, you're not going to <clears throat> suffer um forever your suffering isn't going to you know you may suffer for a season or you may suffer for a little while and then be great and then things are turn around and then you may suffer again like the life of mm-hmm. a believer is full of those ebbs and flows where you know i feel like we just talked about this a couple weeks ago you're either no one's either always on the mountaintop or always in the valley you're usually on your way from one to the other yeah um and so if things are going great for you right now, praise God for that. But know that there's going to come a time when you're going to be in the valley and yeah. you should be ready for it. Um, and whatever that ready looks like for you. Um, I can't decide that for you. Anthony can't decide that for you. Um, that's just, you have to trust God to show you what you need to be ready to go through that valley. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, God, God's people are destined for suffering. Um, the, another emphasis in the revelation is that God's salvation belongs to his people. Um, so, uh, if you are a child of God, if he has, if you have trusted Jesus, that salvation belongs to you and you, um, you, you are his and, that's all I have to say on that. I don't know what yeah. I don't know. 
that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, John's going to write to encourage and warn of the coming judgment. So, again, not so much of a um, fire and brimstone kind of thing, but just like, hey, the suffering you're going through is going to end. Yeah. And judgment is coming for those who are uh, wrong, you know, treating you wrongly or or causing you this suffering. Um, and your suffering is going to end. So um, I think that's what John is trying is trying to drive home here. Uh, and then the final emphasis, and it kind of cul- culminates and concludes the entirety of Scripture here. So God will ultimately restore all things. So um, when it's all said and done, when the battle's over, mm. when Satan has been defeated and um, sent to his eternal punishment— Everything will be restored back to the way it was in the garden before Adam and Eve sinned. Like, yep. that's the what the relationship between God and his creation will be. Yep. And it will be that way forever. And that will be, that's like the final restoration of uh, what this whole, from that time, from that moment mm-hmm. of Adam and Eve's sin that's what the end goal has been the whole time. So yeah. all through scripture and from the end of when scripture was uh, finished being written to now and however far into the future that is, yeah, that's what the end goal has been is for God to restore everything back to the way it was. Yeah. Um, and so that's, those are the emphasis. That's the orienting data for revelation. Um, and Anthony, why don't you wrap it up tonight? Why don't you give us some advice on how to read this very confusing book? <laughs> it is, man. I, I think Revelation might be the most difficult book to read in the Bible. Um, yes, I'm putting it over all the crazy genealogies in the Old Testament and and Song of Solomon and all of the, you know, anything that you can think of. Daniel. Um well, this I think is I think the, the reason I think the reason is because the revelation is so like it almost feels like it doesn't fit because it's so crazy. Yeah. In comparison to even some of the like you talk about the miracles of the Old Testament, those are crazy, but it's all like like there's one here, one there, like they're spread out. And then yeah. in this book it's like a lot of crazy stuff is going on in just this one book. And I say crazy, not meaning like in a bad way. It's just like, it seems almost ridiculous. Yeah. Because it, with 10 horns. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just, just because it hasn't been, it hasn't been that way in all. But then I guess this is unique because this whole book is a vision given to John by God. Yeah. So that would make sense that it would, that it would be that way. But still it's like, Okay, I, I don't know if I am I supposed to be afraid of this thing or like okay, like am I safe? <laughs> I, I don't know. So, well, that's where we can take some advice. Um, and there's a couple of things kind of from the outset that we're going to need to keep in mind um, as we read the Book of Revelation. Number one, we we need to take this book very seriously um, and realize that this is a real prophecy this is a real vision that john is having um 
I believe it's at the at the beginning of uh, Revelation where it says that uh, anyone who takes away or adds to the words in this book, specifically talking about Revelation, uh, is is to be cursed. And so, I mean, it's the only book of the Bible that I know of that's that starts off with, "Hey, if you change this in any way, you're going to be cursed." And so, it that really, I mean, that really sets the tone for for how seriously we need to take the book of revelation mm-hmm. um and how we need to understand the book of revelation and one of the one of the key points of understanding that is going to be familiar with apocalyptic imagery um even when those details are obscure now i realize what i just said anthony i'm a normal person with a real job and i don't have time to study <laughs> apocalyptic imagery <laughs> i have a job I, and a family and a mortgage how can i even be expected <laughs> <laughs> you're telling this. me that I need to learn apocalyptic imagery in my free time is what you're telling me. Unfortunately, yes, that is what I'm telling you. <laughs> now, you do not have to be a scholar in apocalyptic imagery, but it is good to just know some basic facts. And let me tell you, there are books upon books upon books that will give you just the basic information. And that's really all you need is the basic information. Because when you have a little bit of knowledge, you always have that ability to go, hang on, something about that is not exactly right. You know, what this person is saying about that doesn't line up with this or that. or And so it's more of a just, just keeping it in your mind thing, but just a little bit about apocalyptic imagery, you know, so we can set our minds straight, straight for it is – a lot of this stuff is is really based in in a in a fantasy or a fan, fanatical worldview, and I don't mean fanatical like, um, you know, you're a fanatic, you're crazy. Um, I mean fanatic like you're a fan of or you're it's a fantasy, it's a dream world. I mean, this is a vision, mm-hmm. um, and so we have to take that kind of as it is. We have to say, okay, this is not a real reality that we're talking about here. And so we don't have to come up and say, okay, let's figure out what the 10 horns mean. Okay, well, it means this. Well, how do we know that? We don't know. We're guessing. You know, you don't always have to figure out all of those details. Okay, just know that this represents. And and John here, he's going to, you know, he's going to use this imagery from the vision in, in a way that people in the first century would have understood it. And there's a lot of this kind of stuff. Again, studying first uh, first century ancient Near Eastern culture is a really good way to learn about apocalyptic imagery, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, because they would have understood things like the beast out of the sea as a rising empire, you know? You don't have to give the 10 horns a meaning. You don't have to give the 77 eyes or whatever, you know, however else they want to describe it. You don't have to give all of that a meaning. You just have to see the big picture of, of a lot of this stuff. An mm-hmm. earthquake equals judgment. Um, you know, visions as a, a kind of as a whole, taken as a whole, they you 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 really like look at the whole thing, okay? Look at the repetition of things like seven. There's seven lampstands. There's seven bowls of judgment. There's seven trumpets. There's as and and realize that okay, what we're talking about is there's going to be consistency to these things that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I believe it was when when we had Brian on way back at the beginning of this whole entire study. You know, and and Brian was talking about when you're when you're in the Old Testament. You know, and you read the things, and we think of it as something that's boring. 
when it says, you know, and this person beget this person and then he died and this person beget this person and then he died and this person, you know, and it's, but it's this very repetitive type of thing. And in the old Testament, basically what they were doing was saying, notice how God is basically leading and, and the same thing just keeps happening and keeps happening. And it's, and it's about God moving through the, this consistent pattern in, in the old Testament the same type of application is going to be here. Okay. We don't have to figure out what the locusts stand for. You know, I once heard that locusts stand for Apache helicopters. I was like, you know, when, when you're a seven year old, you're like, Whoa, Apache helicopters. Now that I look back at that, I'm like, I was dumb. <laughs> you know, the, the locust doesn't have to be an Apache helicopter. The horns don't have to represent 10 nations that form the European union. You know, it, you don't have to have me. You don't have to have a, a physical modern day symbol of every single detailed vision in the revelation. And, and it's, you know, it's one of those things where uh, I think about when, when Jesus was talking about um the the fair I believe it's the Pharisees and he's like you know how to interpret the the signs of the age you know the the red sky and and this it's going to be this weather and you know how to do all that things but you can't even look at the simple things of God and understand them mm-hmm. you know because because we try to equate so many times and I and I think I've said this we try to equate the finite with the infinite mm-hmm. and 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 we have to remember that a lot of this stuff is the infinite it's it's beyond us and so. We don't have to understand it, and and we can just take God at His word and say, "There's going to be some bad stuff that's going to happen. The yeah. seven holes of judgment. It's going to be some bad stuff." Yeah, well, and, it comes. Okay, <laughs> it comes back to that thing we've talked about a lot of times too. Is like if we could explain everything in the Bible, if we could explain everything about how God operates and how, and why He does what He does, if mm-hmm. we could, if there was anything in the Bible, or if there was. Nothing in the Bible that we couldn't like a hundred percent know for a fact that this is what that means. Then why would we believe what we believe? Exactly. Like like, like that takes the that takes the element of faith completely out of completely our faith. Of yeah. Um. And so, I think in order to, um, truly rely on God and believe who said who believe He is who He says He is. Like you have to have that element of faith in mm-hmm. knowing that I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust that God has this in here for a reason, and I'm going to ha- and I have to be okay with not understanding everything. Yeah, which is hard. Like yeah. especially for especially for men in 2023, almost 2024 now. Like we want to figure things out. Like mm-hmm. that's why so many times, like. If your wife is, you know, seems upset, you're like, what's wrong? And she tells you and you start offering her ways to fix it. It's like she doesn't want a way to fix it. <laughs> she just wants you to listen. She doesn't, she doesn't want. So, yep. but so like it's the same thing. It's like you don't have to know or interpret or um, like fully comprehend everything in Scripture. Yeah, believe that every word of scripture is inspired by God and useful for and profitable for teaching and pre mm-hmm. and reproof and all that stuff. But you don't have to understand it because yeah. if you could understand every single word from Genesis one to the end of Revelation, then 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 where's 
where's the aspect of faith for you? Yeah. So. Yep. So, um, on so that's a that's a little bit on imagery, just the text of Revelation. Um, something to keep in mind is that John really sees um his vision as a fulfillment of basically the the rest of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Okay, everything that 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 was said in the Old Testament. John is saying, this is the end of it. This is the fulfillment of everything. This is what's going to happen at the end of time. Um, and so, and that puts a complete, you know, end cap on time as we know it uh, from beginning to end. And then we remember that God is standing outside of and transcending time as we know it. He mm-hmm. was before the beginning. He will be after the end. And and so um, keep, keep that in mind and understand that, that we're not saying that revelation is easy and we're not saying that we understand it, but we are saying that it is hard and it's worth the time to invest into it, to just study what you can, you know, take the seven churches, study the seven churches, you know, learn something from revelation that you can apply to your life and, and grow on. And so, you know, keep, keep all of that in mind as we walk through Revelation, the text in the next week or two or however many weeks it takes us to actually get through the text of Revelation, Um, because it is a book that is equally parts scary and also exciting. Mm -hmm. It's equally parts judgment, but it's also full of hope. Um, I mean, it's this book that is is. Takes you all the way back to the beginning and shows you all the way to the end at the same time. And and so it should be a book of great encouragement for believers, uh, yeah. knowing that that even through the midst of our suffering, through our trials, our tribulations, that God is with us and he is for us and he intends to make all things new for his people. Yeah. So that's that's where we're going to hold on the advice for right now. And we're going to get ready for the text, which is going to come next week. So do you have anything yeah. else you want to add to that? I don't, but I would love to pray for us if we can. Would you do that? Sure. Um, so God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for um, the opportunity to get together, uh, talk about your word, and um, just enjoy a good conversation tonight. God, I pray that we've honored and glorified you. And God, I just pray that we remember um, that uh, just like Jude encourages us to say, stay clear from false teachers and help us to call others back to Christ when they need that calling God. Um, and God help us. Um, it, it's hard to call others back to Christ if we're not um, staying true to the true gospel of Christ. And so God, I pray that you just help us to um, remain steadfast in, in your gospel and um, in your son and in what he's done for us. God, um, God, as far as uh, our discussion in Revelation goes, God, I just pray that you help us to uh, not get lost in all the details of Revelation, but to uh, just trust you with it. Um, God, we know that um, if we could explain every single word in all of Scripture, then um, you wouldn't be a God worth worshiping and following. But we know that because there are things we don't understand um, and that you are all-powerful and all-knowing, um, that we can worship you, we can trust you, we can put our faith and hope in you, God. And so, 
God, just help us to um, to do our best to learn from the book of Revelation, but to not get lost in the weeds of every single detail of what every single thing in the book means. Um, just help us to learn something from your uh, from the book and from the book of Revelation. But um, God, we not to feel the pressure to have to understand everything in it because we we don't need to we don't, that doesn't have to be um something we we look for so um and god just thank you for um giving us the opportunity to uh talk about your word and god I just pray that over the next couple of weeks as we go through uh the context or the content of revelation that um that we continue to honor and glorify you um god thank you for um this year thank you for 2023 we look forward to what you have for us in 2024 um god we just um are so grateful that you've um uh continued to do uh what you've always done which is love your people and provide ways for your people and um we just thank you for that um god have your way and we just pray that you are honored and glorified in everything we do and for all this in jesus name amen amen well michael if they Anthony. wanted to reach us on social media platforms, where would they do that? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. We're on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. Uh, Facebook, Beers and Bible podcast. And then you can email us old school, Beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. Um, reach out, uh, beer suggestions, questions about anything. Ask us where we're right. Tell us where we're wrong. Um, all that good stuff. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and like we said, at the, from the onset of this episode, um, we hope you guys have a happy new year here in a couple of days. Yes, yes. And until then, I hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open. And we will see you later. Peace out. <laughs>